Hello, and welcome to the Sam Knows Podcast. I'm Barry Collins. When a site as big as Facebook falls off the internet, it's headline news. Some breaking news on Facebook. Julia Boston. Facebook responding to the latest on the outages, saying in a tweet um, from CTO Mike Schrepfer, saying sincere apologies to everyone impacted by outages of Facebook-powered services right now. Facebook isn't the only major website to suffer significant downtime in 2021. Various outages have dragged down sites such as Amazon, Reddit, and even the UK government website, often caused by the most innocuous of errors as a centralized content distribution network, or CDN. What are the knock-on effects when a major site such as Facebook goes down? What's causing these failures? And should we be worried that the internet isn't as robust as it's often portrayed? Joining me to discuss all of these issues is Sam Knows founder and CTO, Sam Crawford. So Sam, what effect does it have on the internet as a whole when huge sites like Facebook or WhatsApp and Instagram go down? Sure. So there's quite a few effects. So before we go into that, I think it's worth, uh, as we're going to talk about DNS in the answer, that uh, I think it's worth reiterating that DNS was um, uh, a symptom of the Facebook outage and it wasn't the cause. The cause was uh, BGP uh, or rather the fact that Facebook effectively took all of their routers offline and uh, stopped announcing their presence on the internet. And obviously that affected the ability of DNS requests to reach Facebook's DNS servers as well. Mm-hmm. Now, that uh, that leads us on to the topic of um, of DNS quite nicely. So um, there were some quite nice charts publicized online from some fairly major DNS operators, I think Cloudflare was one of them, that showed that they saw a, a huge increase in DNS traffic during the Facebook outage. Uh, and uh, the reason for this is because you have all of these clients out on the internet, so web browsers, apps on phones, um, uh, web pages with Facebook advertising uh, beacons embedded inside them and so on. Um, mm-hmm. All of these are relying on uh, facebook.com or you know, whatsapp.net or instagram.com existing. And um, uh, when they're trying to resolve that, um, they will contact their DNS server and uh, DNS server will, you know, 99 times out of 100 or you know, more like 99.999 times out of 100, it will return the response immediately from a cache uh, directly mm-hmm. inside the DNS server. In this case, um, the caches is all expired and the, re- uh, the request had to um, go back to the authoritative uh, Facebook name servers, but those were unresponsive. So you had all of these um, uh, requests from millions and millions of clients uh, all being queued up, trying to reach the Facebook DNS servers, uh, which were, of course, just, uh, it was just going into the void. Nothing was being returned. So what this meant is that all of the, the DNS servers around the globe, so um, your ISPs ones, Uh, And then the big shared ones like Google and Cloudflare and Quad9 and others, um, they became much, much busier simply because they were trying to satisfy all of these requests uh, and they were trying to go back to Facebook for the answer and they were not getting anything. So um, uh, they just had lots, lots more outstanding pending requests waiting. And this had a a knock-on effect on other completely innocent DNS traffic, which happened to be um, taking place at the same time. So what these charts from Cloudflare and others show is that... um, the, the sheer weight of Facebook's outage um, had uh, knock-on effects on DNS traffic for completely unrelated websites, I don't know, like bbc.go.uk, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this would have manifested itself to an end user as 
a website taking longer to load or um, or something else uh, happening. So people then incorrectly attributed um, you know, a Facebook outage to um, uh, causing congestion on the rest of the internet, but um, uh, really DNS was the, uh, no- the knock-on effect, which had the effect of making everything seem to be slower. And of course, I guess there were some secondary effects as well. We haven't seen those publicized so much um, that uh, other websites will have become busier because the traffic that would have gone to Facebook, the attention, the eyeballs that would have gone to Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp is now um, probably going elsewhere. People are now looking at the BBC or Hacker News or something else like that. Um, and uh, these websites would have suffered a bit under the load as well. And presumably when a site such as Facebook goes down, people sit there hitting the, the enter button repeatedly because they can't believe it's down. So that creates more problems. Yes. Um, modern web browsers are quite good at actually defending against that kind of uh, that kind of thing. But still, you still have a lot of DNS requests, um, which are just, uh, they have to go to a DNS server and they will, um, and the DNS server has to wait for the reply. And if it doesn't get a reply, then it returns an error to the user. But in the whole time, it has to hold the connection open to the user um, and uh, that uses resources. Uh, and I think the one thing I, I haven't mentioned so far is... Um, uh, Facebook has quite a lot of um, advertising beacons embedded in web pages, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, sharing buttons and so on. Um, these uh, these are also served from Facebook.com. So these can have the effect of slowing down uh, or making other pages appear to stall or, um, or delay whilst Facebook is offline. How quickly do you see a problem yourself with Sam Knows' own measurements when, when something big like the Facebook outage happens? Uh, pretty quickly, we have uh, we have specific tests for Facebook, uh, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, and uh, and then lots of services within those as well, like image sharing, uh, text sending, text retrieval, and so on. Um, and these run from so many devices globally, so white boxes, routers, uh, phones in the future, um, that we can see. Um, that we can effectively see an outage within seconds. Of course, we uh, usually want to wait a minute or two to have some certainty that the outage is not localized to one particular ISP or part of the world or country. Um, You want to make sure you gather enough data from enough vantage points around the world to confirm it is actually a global Facebook outage and not just a um, a localized one. So in in hindsight, it's really easy to look at the data and say, yes, it happened at that exact second. But when Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of it, uh, you're thinking, surely there must be a problem on my side. The entirety of Facebook doesn't just drop offline. And uh, there was an amusing anecdote from uh, from from Cloudflare's CTO who uh, basically said the same thing on Twitter. They uh, when they first spotted the Facebook outage, they assumed it was a problem with their DNS servers, and they raised a, a high-profile ticket internally within Cloudflare um, to say none of the Facebook services are resolving. And then it was only after a couple of minutes that they realized actually everything was fine on their side and it was um, Facebook that was offline. We've seen a few of these recent outages where big sites such as Facebook and Amazon and BBC have gone down temporarily. Has the internet become too dependent on a a few big services or CDNs? Uh, that is a tricky one. So um, I think from a from a, a, a technology point of view, uh, on the, the CDNs and the tier one ISPs, and by tier one ISPs, I mean like the uh, uh, the level threes of the world, uh, Cogent, Hurricane Electric, um, transit ISPs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the popular opinion is yes, um, things are too centralized, but I don't really think that is the case. Uh, there's And the reason is this, there's multiple CDNs and tier one ISPs that you can buy services from. Uh, no single one is truly dominant. And if you really want to, you can host your website on multiple CDNs. It's It's not as common as people would like you to believe it is because it's actually quite complex uh, and error prone itself, but you could do. Um, so if, but if the alternative is to go back to the old days of the early, you know, the late nineties or the early two thousands, um, where before the AWSs of the world and before, uh, other cloud hosting services, uh, where everyone has their own rack or server in a data center, uh, which creates a single point of failure and also a lot of a lot of waste and a lot of redundancy. Um, then, to be honest, I'd rather stick with the the current setup. As long as there's multiple players and there's competition and um, uh, market effects are doing their job, then I'm I'm pretty happy with how things are going at the moment. And of course, maybe in the future, um, decentralization will improve this even further with um, technologies like IP, IPFS, for example. But um, when it comes to, if we move away from the technology aspect and we look at individual content providers, when it comes to uh, people like Facebook, I think this is less of a, a technology issue and more of a, um, uh, a competition one. I think mm-hmm. nowadays, if Facebook tried to buy Instagram or WhatsApp, it would be it, it would probably be blocked by um, I don't know the FTC in the US on on competition grounds. But um, Facebook has plenty of competitors these days. Probably actually way more competitors than they did. Um, uh, five or ten years ago, with people like um, uh, TikTok um, uh, and Signal in the messaging space, and 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 even more upstarts as well. So, um, so in short, I don't think it has grown too centralized yet. Um, it is a concern, but I think the other thing to the other thing to mention is that uh, centralization generally helps with scalability. Uh, mm-hmm. Running something which is truly decentralized is very, very hard to, um, uh, very, very hard to scale. Um, I mean, Bitcoin is a good example of that. The, the, the transaction, the potential transaction rate on that is very, very poor, um, because of its, um, uh, truly decentralized nature, which is why you see, um, lots of other competing cryptocurrencies, which, um, are perhaps more centralized, but have a much, much, much higher potential transaction rate. Where do you think the biggest weak spots are these days in in into infrastructure? I think it's actually remarkably resilient at the moment. Uh, I think it's amazing that after such a huge outage, it only takes a short amount of time for everything to come back online. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if I had to point to a few things, there, there's a few obvious candidates. So, so BGP is um, uh, is one which everyone is pointing to at the moment. The weaknesses there is not the is not like the the Facebook. Um, issues that was human error um, such things will happen um, the weaknesses with BGP is that uh, there's still a lot of trust involved um, uh, if I may if I'm a small ISP and I'm just accepting uh, routes uh, or um, or BGP advertisements from my from my upstream provider then I'm just trusting that what they say is the truth mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's Quite frequently, BGP misconfigurations, um, which leads to some major websites uh, being accidentally rerouted to some small little um, business in the middle of um, Iowa, for example. Uh, you, you see all kinds of um, uh, quirks like that occasionally. There are there are uh, mechanisms to prevent that, but they're still not super widely adopted. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen 
um, super frequently. I think the other, there's two other um, aspects which spring to mind. One is the centralized nature of um, the SSL or TLS certificate trust stores. So on your, um, on every device, so your computer, your phone, my computer, phone, whatever, um, there's a there's a list of SSL um, uh, root certificate authorities, and all trust in uh, secure websites is chained back from those um, from those roots. Um, now. If if one of those um, routes difficult authorities is hijacked, or even the the intermediates, because there is uh, an intermediate layer within that as well, then um, any of those difficult authorities can issue a certificate for any website in the world. So uh, if I hijack a, or if somebody hijacks a difficult authority um, which your computer trusts, then um, then they can issue an SSL a valid SSL certificate for um, I don't know Whitehouse.gov, for example. Mm-hmm. Or you know, Barclays or Credit UK, um, that is not a solved problem. Um, so that's I think is a, a weak spot. And uh, the last one uh, I think is is not technical at all. I think it's um, it's it's political uh, when you have um, uh, countries uh, which we've seen increasingly in in recent years will just um, uh, cut off access to the internet entirely um, because they're um, they. They have centralized internet gateways in their countries, um, which effectively gives the government the ability to um, uh, to shut off access uh, as and when they want to, and also shut off access to individual um, services. So, uh, and obviously, we're all familiar with the, the Great Firewall of China and mm-hmm. um, all of the uh, the stuff that that can do. Given that sites such as Google, Facebook, Amazon must be under constant attack are you surprised that these services are resilient as they are that they're not knocked down more often in a word yes i think it's um it's very very impressive uh if you think back to the first uh four or five years of twitter and their uh i think the fail whale um, was a very common occurrence and you mm-hmm. had um uh, myspace as well was was really struggling to stay online back uh, back then i mean na- these sites nowadays like the the facebooks of the world and the the modern day Twitters are probably handling a thousand times the traffic um, or many tens of thousands of times the traffic and um, an outage is almost unheard of. Um, so yes, I think it is incredibly um, impressive that they are so resilient. And in fact, most of the major outages we've seen in recent times, such as the, you know, the Fastly Nakamai outages seem to be caused by configuration errors and just mistakes at the, at the, the, the sort of host end, if you like, is is that a surprise? Do you think that the system should have weeded those kind of errors out? Um, I think there's a bit of um, confirmation bias going on here. So there's so in, in the in the Fastly case, for example, I don't. It wasn't a configuration error. Um, there was uh, there was a bug on. Um, uh, in the software on their side, in their administration panel, as I understand it, um, which was triggered by somebody making a, a customer making a configuration change, which took the whole thing offline. But yep. that was clearly a bug rather than a rather than a human error. The human making the change didn't do anything wrong. It triggered a bug on uh, Fastly's side. But yes, the other um, the other more recent changes or outages this year have been as a result of um, human error. I think the um, the thing we 
don't think about is that these massive services are making um, uh, thousands or tens of thousands or possibly even hundreds of thousands of changes every day. So um, spinning up servers, taking down servers, um, connecting new networks to their network, um, uh, bringing new services online. Uh, it's it's an, an ever-changing environment on these um, these hyperscale services that have you know, million plus uh, servers on their on their network. Um, the fact that we and ninety nine point nine nine percent of those um, uh, are completely unnoticed by us and work perfectly and um, are flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that many changes going on every day, I think it's kind of inevitable that even if they uh, that we're going to see an error at some point. I think the surprise from the the Facebook one was that it just took um, so long to recover from. Um, I think the others were much, uh, were generally much faster, only an hour or so. That's it for this month's podcast. Make sure to check out the full article at samnose.com. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>